How many's ever had a non-expected situation? Situation. Everybody better. Yes, yeah, situation. Better raise your hand, everybody. Never, right, never, right, never. Yes. Yeah. I had quite a few in my lifetime, I'll tell you that. I'm talking about unexpected now, when you didn't expect it. Not something you may have caused. How many know sometimes we cause our own issues? Amen. Uh, sometimes this thing here gets us into trouble. My wife, she tells some people, zip it. Because <laughs> that thing can get you into trouble. An unexpected situation, when it arises, it takes you back a step. And you're caught unawares and you say, my goodness, you know, I never expected that, you know. I thank God <clears throat> all this exploitation about COVID. And we've been here almost a year already. Not one person. Say not one. Not one. Ain't that amazing? Not one. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you. You know, the goodness of God. You just sung about the goodness of God. And all the government would do is try to put fear in your heart. They're fear mongers. That's what they want to do. They want to put fear in your heart. And try to tell you what's going to happen. I know I'm going to die someday. <laughs> I'm going to go to be with the Lord if He doesn't come. And I grow older. Our days are numbered. You have a mission here. And when you fill that mission, Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. And now I went home to be with the Lord. He was done. Now somebody else takes over. When I'm done, somebody else will take over. I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And if you notice, when God, the, the first prophecy that come over me, probably back in the 70s, I guess, that I was going to minister the gospel. Well, when I heard that word, you know, you've got to be honest with yourself. The Bible says, be truthful with God and truthful with yourself. And I said within myself, not me. That prophet made a mistake. I'm no preacher. I don't want to preach. I don't even think about preaching. No way. <clears throat> you know, and I argued for a long time with the Spirit of God like that because I looked at my capability and not His. I didn't look to the Lord's ability to put in my heart to be able to minister the truth of God's Word to other people and let God let people know what's in your heart and I didn't feel I was capable of doing that. When I got to studying the Word, I found out I wasn't capable without His ability. When you have His ability, that's what you have to understand. You know, in, in Ephesians 2 and 8, I think it is, where it says faith and grace. Okay, they have to connect. The two have to connect. God's grace, but your faith that He give you has to connect with that grace. If it don't connect with the grace, I've had a lot of people go around and say, oh, i got all the faith. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because Jesus spoke to His disciples. He said, oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of no faith. 
often because their faith was based in the wrong thing. When your faith is based in Christ, the Bible says focus in Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, then you have true biblical faith. Don't just go by what I say. You need to know. You need to go away. You need your prayer time. You need to study what the Word said. You need to know that you know that you know what you're hearing is truth. And then you need to take that truth and you need to put some action to it. you got to start changing. The born-again experience is a 180-degree turn. It's a mental thing. you got to turn yourself from the way you used to think and see the way God thinks. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they're three in one. That's because they all think alike, they talk alike, and they act alike. One don't do nothing opposite of the other. So when people come to me and they say, well, God told me this, and if it's not in the Word, God didn't tell you. Your pizza with too many onions told you. <laughs> or that king-sized Baskin-Robin sandwich with all that goopty gop on there my wife would call it. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely wasn't the Spirit of God because when the Spirit of God speaks to you, it will be the will of God and the Word of God. Whenever God spoke something to me, I went to the Word of God and I found it in the Word of God. That's how I knew God spoke to me and how God told me. <clears throat> and he's, He will not change for no one. From the beginning to the end, He remains the same. He said He does not change. So in Mark, He was ready to take His disciples on a little excursion. But He did not tell them what's involved. <laughs> When he called me to preach, years later, he still didn't tell me what was going to be involved. He didn't tell me people was going to go out and talk about me. He didn't tell me people was going to hate me. He didn't tell me people was going to go away and they don't like what I preach. He didn't tell me all that. He didn't tell me ahead of time. I just had to be in the Word and I had to know the message that God told me to preach and that's what I preach. And if you disagree, you take it up with Him, don't talk to me. Because that's just the way it works. you got to get into agreement. You know, I have people that, that come to church and so many things. I, I was just sitting here. The scripture, it's in Mark also. Uh, uh, 4.15 it says, when it's talking about the Lord sowing the word. He calls it seed. He's sowing the farmer, sowing the seed. But Jesus is sowing the word. It's a metaphor. And you have to understand that here. The message is not about a boat. The message is not about the water and the storm. The message is not about them being afraid. It's not about all that. It's a spiritual aspect. You've got to understand you're in a spiritual warfare. It's not natural. It has nothing to do with natural. It's spirit. The spirits come against you to throw you off guard. People come to church and they get their mind distracted. You know. And I tell people, I said, hey, if you take medication, get out of your seat, go to the back, go out there to the water fountain, take your medication, come back and sit down. Don't make a big thing out of it. You know, some people make a mountain out of a molehill. They get they get so things, you know, where they think babies. 
Man, I love babies. People, oh my, that baby squealing, that baby this, and that baby that, and they get so distracted over, I'm not coming back. You know, the baby squeals too much. Well, hello. If you're a mother and you raise kids, I know them kids ain't clapping. They're kicking and gouging and running and throwing toys and making all kind of racket. But you make sure you get your, your chores done that you have to do. I don't let it bother me. My goodness. My, my kids, my two daughters, anyhow, when they were growing up, <laughs> I don't know what they were, 13 and 14 or 12 and 13. They're like a year apart. And they were, I was trying to read an article. I don't know if it was a magazine or paper I was reading. I must have read, read the same line five times. It just took that, the concept out of my head, you know. I, I read it, reread it, reread it, reread it, reread it. <laughs> you washed, I dried. No, you dried, I washed. No, I washed, you dried. No, you dried, I washed. And that went on for about 15 minutes. So I just quietly snuck into the kitchen and I got one of my wife's cake turned a wooden spoon. I got their attention real quick. And just like, bam! Bam! I mean, I raised them off the floor about three, four inches. Now I know that's not heard of today. I know I'm old school. But it worked. It got real quiet. Now, I said, now... The boss is speaking. I don't care who washes. I don't care who dries. I don't care who did wash. And I don't care who did dry. Let's just get it done. 10, 15 minutes of dishes. We're all done. Clean, stop, and put in the coat. It's all over. See, you have to take authority. Now, why do I say that? Because there's sometimes there's things in our lives we put up with over and over and over and over. Six months, a year, two years. We're still going through this same thing. We're getting all frustrated. And we need to take authority of that situation. That's what God said. He come, He works in you, through you, with authority. You've got to take authority over that situation. Because what the devil's doing, trying to steal your peace, trying to steal your joy, trying to steal your smile. And people think we have to walk around looking like we've been sucking lemon juice or something. No. You can be sincere serving God and laugh, be happy, be joyous, be free. Glory to God. Amen? Amen. Are you listening Amen. to me, church? Amen. But you've got to take authority over that. Now listen to what Jesus said. On the same day when Eden had come. Now what that means is he was just teaching them before that. The things that he was teaching them Many times he sat down and he taught them things. He showed them things. And they went away and forgot what they heard. How many of you went away and the devil distracted you and you forgot what you heard? All of a sudden. All of a sudden. And you went away and you forgot what you heard. The concept of it is that it's not how much scripture you read. It's not how much scripture I read. I can close this book because I've memorized that I've read and reread and I can stand up here and quote you scripture and that don't make me any less religious just because I don't read scripture. I've heard some religious people say, well pastor didn't even read out of the Bible today. Well bless your heart. Huh? Evidently you don't read your Bible because he said he writes his word 
on the hearts of men. So if I got it in my heart, I don't have to open the Bible all the time. Sometimes, but not all the time. So you should be able to quote to your situation. And I preach to my wife a lot too when she says about different things. And I said, but God said, why? Well, I do that for myself too. You've got to speak to yourself. You've got to speak the word to yourself. People don't do that. You're on the job and you get frustrated and there's something about that job. And I guarantee you, I can put you on my job. I can put you on five other people's job and you find out it's all the same. The person you're working near cusses all the time. And people got these virgin ears. Well, I can't stand up. Oh. Did you as soon forget that you used to do the same thing and other people had to listen to you? We need to get more relationship of God than that, that where that bothers you. I worked with an individual and the last few years I was a metal fabricator, but the last few years I tested other people's work. And this one individual, and they were ordered by their supervisor to come down. I was supposed to test their work. And this one man come down and he'd be standing there, boy, and he'd just rattle off JC this and JC that and JC this and JC that and GD that. And, and, and some people get so religious. <clears throat> See, the Holy Spirit will work with people if you let Him. You have to pray and let Him. So under your breath, you just say, Holy Spirit, you know, you think we got a Bible thump, everybody. That's not what makes it work. Let the Holy Spirit work with their heart. He deals with their heart. That's His position. That's His job. So I did that every time this guy, but he was talking sensible. You could have a nice conversation with him. Just once he had a lot of excess words that you didn't need to hear. <clears throat> but... And I would just pray under my breath. I said, Holy Spirit, while He's coming in close proximity to me, I want the Holy Spirit, I just want you to go out there and I want you to deal with that man's heart. Because he's a nice man. You like him, he's nice enough to talk to him. You know, and, and, and you love him just as much as you love me. And I want you to do a little work in him, would you? So he come down a couple times after that, a couple days, a couple weeks. See, people don't pray because they don't believe. If you believe, you pray what you believe, it'll happen. And after a couple times of coming down, he come down this one particular day, and he handed me, and he left the one word slip. He looked at me and said, forgive my French. He said, it's one of my bad habits. See, the Holy Spirit was working on it. See, you pray and you believe that, Holy Spirit. I said, that's okay. He said, I heard about you. <laughs> See, so somebody tells them. They tell them what you are, who you are, and you live the life. And he said, I want to apologize. Yeah. See, he brings the nice out of people. The Holy Spirit knows how to bring the niceness out of people. And he said, I want to apologize. Because he said, it's not necessary. It's just a habit of mine. And I said, that's okay. Because I had the same habit. But I said, when the Lord came in and made His abode, He started working on that habit and He started to sanctify my tongue. And I know, anybody can curse, I can curse. 
Oh, Pastor, I don't believe that. Yeah, I wasn't born a Christian. <laughs> I wasn't born with a Bible under my arm. You know, some people misinterpret because you're a pastor and they think you're more godlier than you. God loves every one of you just as much in here as He does me. The only thing is I've got a greater responsibility to carry the Word. He loves you. God loves you. He said, I didn't come to condemn. I've come to save. He knows you're in this fallen world. He knows you picked up habits from people that you work with and neighbors and family and friends and whatever. But you've got to work on your life. Because there's coming a day, the book of Revelation says, every knee will bow. Every knee. My wife, I'm not going to bow for her. She's got to do her own bow. My tongue's not going to confess for what she lived or what she didn't live. There will be no excuses there. And he's going to say, I dealt with your heart just like I dealt with everybody else. And boom! And he'll just reveal to you. Now, you have a time now. You have this life. You have this time now to make a difference. You have this time to choose. Now that's what happened here when they got in the boat. The metaphor here was they got in the boat and he says, let's cross over to the other side. Uh -huh. Don't that sound sweet? Why? There was a mission on the other side, but he didn't tell them between this side and that side what he's going to face. And he won't tell you when you become a born again Christian from the time till Jesus comes, what you're going to have to go through. He won't tell you what you're going to have to face. He won't tell you that your car, the motor is going to blow up in it. He won't tell you your wife's going to get mad at you and throw the iron skillet. I got rid of ours. That's the best part. Yeah. You got the aluminum ones. Aluminum. <laughs> Get ready, brother said he got rid of all his. I always tell people that little funny, you know, some of them look at me like real serious. Does she really hit you with a pan? No. I was telling somebody a little illustration one time when I got down to pray, and I said, when I pray, I was talking about putting my face down in the carpet. And I said, when I come up, it tastes like I was eating carpet fiber. You know, that's, that's getting real close. That's getting, that's getting down to the nitty-gritty where you and God is having a serious conversation. Right. And this one sister, she got me aside after church. Her, and she said, hey, Pastor, I want to ask you something. I said, yeah, do you really eat carpet fiber? <laughs> I said, you missed the whole point. I said, I was getting real close with God. I said, it wasn't about eating carpet. <laughs> But see, the thing is, when God tells you to serve Him, to find Him as your personal Savior, and you become His son or daughter, He didn't say anything about you being perfect. Come as you are. You, you come as you are. Come exactly like you are. He knows that this is a fallen nation. He knows that. That's why He come. He said, I come to save you. So you let God work on your heart. Let the Spirit of the living God talk to Him. Sit in your chair and lay back and drink your iced tea. And have a conversation with Daddy. Believe that you believe He exists. See, some people don't even really believe He exists. I know He's up there. And I said, I know you're listening to me. And I can remember when <clears throat> our son was taken out in a fiery car crash. And one day, just I was overwhelmed. Do you ever get overwhelmed? You just, you fight it. You fight it, you grit your teeth, and 
You fight it, you fight it, you just try to go on and act like this ain't true. This this didn't really happen. This can't be true. And one day I was sitting in my chair, I was kind of to myself in the room. I said, I want you to know something. I'm mad at you right now. <laughs> huh? Yep. Now people don't understand that. A lot of Christians, that blows them away. Really? You told God that? Yeah. Because yep. <laughs> I read the Bible where he says, He knows the thoughts of my mind, and He knows the intents of my heart. So you think He wasn't reading me, that He already knew my mail, that I was mad at Him. So I voiced it. I vented. Did you ever vent? You have to get rid of that thing instead of carrying it around, acting like a phony has-been, and be real. Just be real. Now, that don't mean you stay like that. I didn't stay mad at him. I didn't never worship him or praise him anymore after that. I began to love him, began to let the tears flow, and, and got close to him after that. But at that time, I let him know. I said, I'm mad at you. And I hard and know on certain terms, I was mad. And for a long time, he didn't speak to me. For a long time. Because I told him like he didn't know. I said, that was my only son. I don't have another one. I have two girls, but I don't have another son. That was my only son. And I think that's what frustrated me more than anything, you know. And it was a long time. My wife, she would pray that God would speak to her and show her some things. And he did. But I would ask him and he didn't seem to speak. My heart was kind of closed up and he didn't speak. And one day I said to him, I said, this old man must have been about 20 years later. God don't always make us wait that long, thank God. But this time was a long time. Because he wanted me to get a tight grip of what took place. And then he spoke to begin to speak to me. I was sitting alone with him reading his word, and he said, Do you know that I love you? Do you know? I said, Yeah, Father. You know, I think it was Peter who said that. Peter, love us down me. Yes. Asked him three times. Got a little upset. He got a little tight. He had a hissy fit. Yeah, Lord. <laughs> you know I love you. Right? So he had to change his name, called him Simon. But he changed his name to Peter. You know, and the reason he did it's like you, do you know, do you know that most of you or any of you know that you're you had a name change when you got born again? Did you had a note, you know you had a name change? Redeemed of the Lord. You're the redeemed. The Bible says so. You're the redeemed of the Lord. You got a new name. It said new names written down. In the book of life, you got a new name. You're the redeemed. When you stand before Him, He don't care about your efforts, and He don't care about how much you attend the church and how much you gave and whatever you did in church. What He's going to look at has the blood been applied? Have you been truly born again? Was the blood applied? Has it taken up residence in your heart? Do you love Him more than anything? And as you grow and as you develop, you're pushed. To that point of testing. And he tests you. And he says these things come to test you. Not to try you. To test you. He wants to test you when things don't go your way. 
Because he said, I want to see what's in your heart. Hello. Amen. Give him a hand clap. Amen. 